Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I'm welcoming Anna Swenson to the show. Anna is communications manager at Recompose, a provider of ecological death care in Seattle, Washington. Recompose invented and is the first company in the world to offer natural organic reduction, a process that gently converts human remains into soil. Since joining Recompose in 2019, Anna has led the company's marketing, education events, and public policy. Prior to joining Recompose, Anna led public relations for technology startups while volunteering in hospice and end-of-life care. She enjoys reading, cooking, therapy, and the ocean. Sounds like some good things to enjoy. Welcome, Anna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I almost put in there that I also enjoyed talking all my friends into going to therapy. (laughs) I, as a therapist, love that. So you are like right up my alley. Good. (laughs) I mean, it's like... I do really enjoy getting people to go to therapy. It's so helpful for all of us. I I could not agree more. So so tell us today because I kind of stumbled upon your what you guys are doing and thought it would be great for my listeners. But what is Recompose and how did it come to be? Right. So Recompose is as that bio said an ecological death care company and you know what does that mean? We invented that term. So um the process that we offer is called natural organic reduction and in very basic terms it means that we turn human bodies into soil. And this is a meaningful option because people like to return to the earth and you know it can be more psychologically supportive than cremation or conventional burial, if that doesn't resonate with people. And there are also environmental impacts um, for every person who chooses the recomposed process over conventional burial or cremation. It saves one metric ton of carbon dioxide from entering the environment. And our process also uses only one eighth of the energy that's required by other options. So there are both emotional benefits and environmental benefits. And this process came to be, um, it was invented by our founder and CEO, Katrina Spade. She was in architecture school and she tells the story that she was in the backyard with her young son and she was thinking, you know, oh, it'll be so nice to know him when he's 40, but I'll be over 70 by then. You know, how, how does, how do my options for the end of life resonate with how I've lived. And, you know, at the time, and in most states still, the only options are conventional cremation, which happens in a crematory retort. It uses fossil fuels, there's temperatures over thousands of degrees, or conventional burial, which, you know, people people have come around mostly to the fact that burial is not the most environmentally supportive choice usually, but people don't often know that cremation is also environmentally problematic. So this process was born out of the idea of having a better option for the planet and for people who find it meaningful. Well, I love the question that she posed, which was how will my death sort of mirror how I lived in my life? And I think we don't think about that in in any way, because as you and I were talking before we started, we don't think about death. But Mm -hmm. what a beautiful way to really kind of join those two or merge those two 
thinkings is like not only to think about our death, which and contemplate that, which I think is very important and a big reason why I do the show, but to also be contemplating what that would look like for your physical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And, and Recompose, in addition to our environmental mission, we are also invested in what we call participatory death care. And part of that is, well, you know, before the pandemic, we wanted it to be physical participation, encouraging families to be with their people when they died and even after their death to participate in the care. And what that looks like is changing because of the moment that we're in, but participatory death care can also happen in terms of having conversations with the people in your life and even just thinking about it for yourself. I think it's so interesting, like, no one who works at Recompose right now had funeral industry experience before we joined the company. And I think we all come at it sort of with like our own baggage about the funeral industry. And a lot of people who come to us also have experience where, you know, maybe a loved one died and they had to make a choice that was kind of just like, oh, they made it because it was convenient or it was cheap. It wasn't, it didn't deeply resonate with them. And that's one of the powerful things about recompose is this is really meaningful for people like you if you choose to work with recompose you know that your body will become soil when you die and you know that that soil can go on to nourish the environment and instead of an option that might be requiring resources like conventional cremation this actually creates resources in this soil material so i'm curious what this process looks like Right. So the process takes place in a vessel, which is a stainless steel tube that's about four feet tall and 10 feet long. So it's like a cylinder on its side. And the process takes place when the recomposed staff places each body into the vessel along with wood chips, alfalfa, and straw. And the, what's actually powering the process is the microbes that naturally occur on our bodies and on that plant material. And mm-hmm. once the vessel is closed, it creates the microbes create an environment that is over 130 degrees. And the vessel is closed for about a month. And during that time, change takes place on a molecular level. So the transformation is complete in the bones, the teeth, any pharmaceuticals that are in there, any pathogens, including COVID, are broken down by the heat. Um, There's also a gentle mixing that takes place towards the end of the process to make sure that the bones and hips are broken down. And then at the end of the process, our staff um, takes the soil out of the vessel. It creates about a cubic meter of soil per body. And that soil can either be taken home by the family to use on their yard, or we also have a partnership with a conservation forest in southern Washington that was improperly logged and clear-cut, so they really need this biological material Mm -hmm. to get the environment back to its natural state as a verdant coastal landscape. So it's really a powerful cycle of, you know, it starts with wood chips and the soil can go back to a forest that could create wood chips. It's a a return to the earth and a continuing cycle of life. And so it only takes a month? It only takes a month. Wow. Yeah, people sometimes ask me, you know, wouldn't this just happen 
any way in, you know, in a green burial with the, if there was no shroud or no casket. And this, the cycles are similar, but in a green burial, it takes much longer for a body to break down. And that's because there isn't the, um, it's not the perfect environment, this recipe that we've created of the wood chips, alfalfa and straw. There's no one monitoring it, and we also have this gentle mixing. So the the process is very much inspired by the forest floor, and it might happen on the forest floor if the conditions were exactly right. Our staff makes sure that the conditions are exactly right for this to happen in that timeline. So how would someone, because you guys are the only place in the world that yeah. that offers this, right? Mm-hmm. So how does someone go about the process and then yeah how would someone get there or the same way they would if it was any sort of funeral or burial where they're not where they so is a licensed funeral home and we operate like a funeral home although we rarely use that term because you know people have had such bad experiences with funeral homes but in practical terms we will open to accept our first bodies in November of this year. And once we open, we will be able to accept bodies from anywhere in the world. There is a cost of shipping a body to recompose, but after that, the price is the same as a local, someone local. And the price is $5,500. And that includes the transformation into soil, empathetic handling of the body, us working with your family for legal considerations like the death certificate, Um, a virtual ceremony facilitated by our staff if you choose, and then also the opportunity to donate the soil to our conservation forest. So that is the price in the package. And, you know, we know it's not accessible for everyone, but in the context of what death care costs, if you have just a, what's called a direct cremation, which is just where the body is cremated in a conventional manner that starts at about a thousand dollars, it can vary based on city. And then if you go for a a burial with a funeral with a casket that's easily over ten thousand dollars so we're hoping that we're right in the range of death care options for people wow i i had no idea you're really the first person that i've spoken to on the show about about what happens to our body like the funeral piece i mean i haven't explored that although i hope to and so i had no idea what the costs were but I probably should be educating myself. Yeah, you know, not a lot of people know what the costs are. And and there's a lot of factors to that. Uh, I mean, one big factor is that the funeral industry in the 1970s was deliberately keeping information from people. And there were several lawsuits and there's laws now about the pricing that funeral homes have to present, but they still don't do a great job. And actually the, the government only requires a pricing sheet to be presented like printed in person, like funeral homes aren't even required to have their prices on their websites, which is so silly. But then there's also the social stigma aspect of people don't want to think about this stuff unless they have to. And it makes it more challenging to make informed decisions because if you're going through grief and you know, you've had someone close to you die and you're making this decision, you don't really want to like shop around for the best customer experience. So part right. of Recompose's mission price is price shopping, right? Part of Recompose's mission is to empower people to think about this and to talk about it and to document their wishes. And we're also about to open our prepayment option next month. We're calling it Precompose. And <laughs> I like that. 
Yeah. You can pay as low as $25 a month towards your recompose service. So if you don't plan to die for, it'll take about 18 years to pay it off at $25 a month. But if you don't plan to die for 25 years, you can, you know, have that peace of mind of knowing you've already chosen it, you've already documented your wishes, you're already paying towards it. It's also empowering Recompose's mission of climate action. It's helping us do our conservation work. So it both is a practical choice and it makes you feel good. So you're making the choice and contributing before you're actually gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty conventional option. It's called prearrangement in the industry. And it's usually something that folks only do, you know, after they retire. But we're hoping that younger people will find, you know, comfort in the idea of, oh, I've done this. I've made this choice. Um, I am a part of green death care by joining Precompose. We're hoping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What's what has the interest been like in this? Yeah, so I get emails from people several times a week that either are experiencing a death now, and it's it's very hard that we have to tell them that we aren't ready, but we'll, we'll be open very soon. And we also have an email newsletter list of about 19,000 people who have signed up to hear communications from us. So right at the moment where we'll find out how many of those people actually become customers, but um, I'm hopeful. And, you know, doing the communications work for this company is really fun because our community is so engaged and excited about this. And um, I think a lot of people have the experience that you did where they hear about it somewhere, they sort of stumble upon it, and then they're really excited to learn more about it. So, um there's their strong interest and the history of the company is also speaks to this. It used to be a nonprofit called the urban death project. And in 2016, Katrina, our founder and CEO did a Ted talk that now has over a million views and she raised almost a hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter. So there's a lot of people who have been contributing to this project for a long time. You know, we're hoping they all become pre-composed customers. I'll I'll let you know in a month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a such a like. It it seems like such a mindful, conscious way to think about your death. And it's actually like as we're talking, I'm. I mean, I talk in this space all the time. Probably need to have more conversations about what I want that to look like for me. But I think you can't know what you want it to look like until you know what the options are. And I think people just know the basic options like burial, cremation, that's it. Mm -hmm. And so to give people other choices that are really beautiful and that can really align with your values and are thoughtful, I think is is an amazing thing. Are there any factors that prevent someone from becoming eligible for this? There are two medical conditions that disqualify a person from undergoing this process. One is prion diseases, which is a misfolding of proteins in the brain. Um, The most common one is Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which happens about one in every one million people in the U.S., And the reason those folks can't go through this process is there's some evidence that the proteins remain in the environment, although there has never been a case where someone contracted a prion disease from burial practices. And the other that disqualifies a person is Ebola. And 
people who die with Ebola have to undergo flame-based cremation because of the heat required to completely eliminate the virus. Yeah, that was, I think, what was coming for us before Mm -hmm. COVID came for us. Mm -hmm. And what is the, like, so how often, how many times have you already done this process before We created a scientific study with Washington State University. The soil scientist and professor, Dr. Lynn Carpenter-Boggs, led a study of six donor bodies. And that process proved that pharmaceuticals are eliminated, um, chemicals like chemotherapy drugs are eliminated, and the soil that results is safe and doesn't contaminate groundwater, doesn't contaminate the air, doesn't contaminate any plants that might grow on it. And completing that study was a big milestone in passing the law here in Washington to allow this process, which passed in 2019 and just went into effect this year. And a big piece of our expansion has been thinking about what states we want to legalize this process and elsewhere. Um, Most states... I mean, all states allow burial, of course. Cremation is also legal in all states. There's one more process called alkaline hydrolysis that is also called water cremation that involves using chemicals and charge to eliminate a body down to a sandy material. And that's legal in, I think, like 20 states. So more burial options are becoming available, but you're definitely right that people don't really think about it and then they don't really know what's out there. Um, people are coming around to the fact that conventional burial takes up a lot of land. There's a lot of um, wood involved in caskets, but there's so much about these options that people don't know. Like, for example, I didn't know until I joined the industry that in most cemeteries, they require that a casket be buried in a concrete vault so that the mm-hmm. ground stays level and they can, you know, mow the lawn. And this was just like absolutely wild to me. I'm like, so you're just like decaying in a concrete box. Like what's going to happen to these boxes in 500 years? This was just like wild to me. So it's um, like, I am still learning too about both why these options are problematic and also why they can be meaningful for people. Are there any religious barriers that you're aware of with this? Like, Are there certain religions that wouldn't allow? I'm Jewish. I know historically cremation is not supposed to be allowable, although people are doing it. Um, Uh, Are there? I have had several conversations with folks. Um, For example, when we were passing the law here in Washington, the Catholic diocese came out against this process and said that it wasn't respectful. But the Catholic Church in Rome, I believe, also says that cremation is not allowed and you know they have a lot of rules and and then I spoke to another Catholic faith leader who was not part of that diocese who completely disagreed so it it depends a bit on the individual and the community mm-hmm. um, I had one conversation with a hospice chaplain who was from a Jewish faith and he said you know I think this will work for some members of my community but it probably won't for others and you know i'm i'm willing to have conversations and um i i think there are some religions where the guidelines say that burial needs to happen within a certain number of days mm-hmm. and this probably would not fulfill that but again you know it's it's up to the individual and the faith leader and as we start having customers i look forward to having those conversations and talking about you know what what is meaningful for you? What are you looking to get out of your burial experience? Right. Yeah. I guess I think 
and it came to me as we were talking that it has to do with the desecration of the body in Judaism. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I wonder if this would be seen as that versus, mm -hmm. which is no different from cremation in that way, which is also not supposed to be done. Yeah, the, the but, trend that I was having the conversation with said, you know, maybe some folks in my community who have, um, who might have a bit more, poetic thinking about it, who consider this to be respectful handling, maybe they would be okay with it. But right, for folks who, who follow a, a more letter of the writings, it it may not. And and that's totally fine for Recompose. We want to be an option. That's the word we always use, an option for people who find this meaningful. Sometimes I hear from people who say, oh, are you trying to get rid of cemeteries? Definitely not trying to get rid of cemeteries. You know, I, I say, Death has a 100% customer acquisition, and we look forward to, you know, <laughs> providing the people who who want this. Not we're not we definitely don't want anyone who doesn't want this to come to recompose. Mm -hmm. Could you have a pet recomposed? So recompose the company only works with humans right now. The law here in Washington does allow for the process, natural organic reduction, to be done on pets. So I'm I'm hoping that another company will take up that option. We would love to see that, and people ask us about it all the time. Um, there is actually a, a company here in Seattle called Resting Waters that does alkaline hydrolysis for pets. So there's, yeah, there's opportunity for it. It's, you know, we're just focused on humans right now. The soil, is it? Is it nutrient-dense and rich soil that you could then use to grow a garden or plant a tree, you know, or is it just Absolutely. soil? Absolutely. That's a great way to describe it. It's actually, in technical terms, soil amendment. So it can be used at a certain percentage in a garden, depending on the makeup of your material that's also in the garden. It is absolutely nutrient-rich. Um, it's also designed to interact with an environment so it it would not be served inside of a concrete vault you know it, it's the the whole idea is that the resources that are contained in your body will then be resources for the environment that the soil goes on to be scattered on and can you donate your organs still or are they needed as part of the recomposing process do they help the decomposition you can absolutely donate your organs, and we encourage that. There's enough biological material that remains in your body if you donate your organs. Even if you donated every single one of your organs, there's still bones and the process could take place. Um, sometimes people ask about donating their body to science or to a medical school, and most bodies that are donated to, to science are embalmed so that they can be studied for many months. And a body that undergoes natural organic reduction can't be embalmed because the whole point of embalming is to stop decay. And um, so we, we, can't, we can't put an embalmed body through this process. Usually bodies who are donated to science are cremated. I think one thing that I like to mention is the the really creative ways that people 
tell us that they want to use their soil and, you know, what can become meaningful as a ritual. Like um, one of our longtime supporters, Sonia, has had this idea. She testified in front of the Washington State House, and she's been a big advocate for us about how she wants her soil to be scattered around this apple tree in the front yard of her family home that they've owned for un- over 100 years. And that's really meaningful to her to really actually literally be part of this place that means so much to her. And we also had a gentleman say, you know, I have this tree in my yard that my kids swing on and I want I want to mm. be a part of that tree. We have folks who love hiking or, you know, they have a favorite campsite and that, you know, you can bring a bit of soil to become a part of it that way. Um, people often do this with cremated remains, um, but cremated remains are at best inert and they're a bit alkaline. So if you put enough ashes on a plant, it could harm the plant. Whereas the soil from the recompose process nourishes the plant. It's good for the plant. So that's meaningful to some folks. Um, And then, you know, people also have really funny ideas. Like I had a woman come up to me at an event and say, my dad's going to get this. And then he wants me to grow a pot plant. That's how I'm going to remember him. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really fun to hear the ways that this can be meaningful to people who have all kinds of different perspectives on how they want to be remembered. Well, it's funny because my dog, our dog was cremated and we have his ashes that are still sitting in a closet. Mm -hmm. And my son started asking us like, where's, you know, where's Barkley was our dog? Where's Barkley? And we said, oh, he's in, he's in our closet. And he's like, what? We said, yeah, he's in the closet. And so we went through this whole process of showing him the ashes and explaining to him what happened, which he then went and translated to his teacher at school and said, my dog was burned and now he's in our closet. Um, which... Oh, no. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> right, right. So we'll go with that. But but I think it's it's a beautiful thing and also... Death is a very serious topic, obviously, but I think when we can think about it as part of life and part of growth and regrowth and, you know, rejuvenation and recomposing and composing, mm-hmm. it can really be beautiful to think about, oh, well, you know, grandpa helped helped nourish this apple tree in our yard or mm-hmm. is, in the, is in the pot over yeah. there by the, with the flowers. Right. I, I love that idea of, you know, people stay with you. And, and I like the, that word that we use, it transforms a body into soil. You know, I think uh, transformations are powerful in nature, you know, caterpillars, Mm -hmm. butterflies and, Mm -hmm. and trees and, and that can happen for you too when you die. I know it's, it's going to happen to me and that's reassuring. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) Uh, yeah. And it's definitely giving me a lot of food for thought and hopefully my listeners too. So Anna, if people want to learn about what you're doing, can you tell them where they can find you? Yes. Our website is recompose.life and that has all of the information you need to sign up for our newsletter. We send out a monthly newsletter. As I mentioned, we're about to launch our prepayment option next month. So now's a great time to sign up for the newsletter. And you can also find more information about the science behind the process and all the people who have contributed to this work. And we also have information about 
how to bring Recompose to your state if this sounds like something that you'd be interested in. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for enlightening me and certainly my listeners, I'm sure, as, as what sounds like a really beautiful process. Thank you so much for your interest. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>